This week, we're talking with Pastor John about book reading. On Monday, we looked at the seven ways books have impacted your life, Pastor John. And uh, there you gave us a brief theology of reading as well, looking at that incredible text in Ephesians 3, 4. And uh, as, as you were talking about all the ways, those seven ways that books have changed your life, I could hear you very eager to give specific recommendations. So let's do the who today. Who do you read? That's today's question from a listener named Sam. Hello, Pastor John and Tony. In a recent Solid Joys devotional I listened to, Pastor John, you mentioned the practice of reading rich doctrinal books. That's the quote, rich doctrinal books. What would you consider to be your top 10 rich doctrinal books that have helped you grow over the decades? Well, I have an awful time answering top questions (laughs) or most questions, but I can answer 10 rich doctrinal books that have made a walloping impact on my life. Whether I leave one out that's in the top 10, my memory's not good enough to say. Here's what C.S. Lewis said about our longing for the heart, our hearts, to sing with joy over what we see about God in our devotions. He said, for my own part, I tend to find the doctrinal books often more helpful in devotion than devotional books. And I rather suspect that the same experience awaits others. I believe that many who find, quote, nothing happens when they sit down or kneel down to a book of devotion would find that the heart sings unbidden when they are working their way through a tough bit of theology (laughs) with a pipe in their teeth and a pencil in their hand. (laughs) So my response to that is, well, you can leave the pipe aside. (laughs) You won't get mouth cancer on your way to devotions. Uh, Leave the pipe aside, but do pick up the pencil and a doctrinally rich book and see what happens. So here are 10 authors who have done this for me, made my heart sing because of what they showed me of God and his ways from the Bible. Number one, Jonathan Edwards. No historic theologian has shaped me more. I mentioned four books, The End for Which God Created the World, The Religious Affections, The Essay on the Trinity, and Freedom of the Will. One of those showed me the nature of God as three in one. Another showed me the goal of God to glorify himself in all that he does. Another showed me that my affections are essential to the worship and obedience of God. And the fourth showed me the compatibility between God's absolute sovereignty and my human accountability before him. Number two, John Owen, The Mortification of Sin, that book, that little book, eighty. 90 pages, takes us into the depths of how God overcomes sin in our lives. And on communion with God shows us what it means actually to have fellowship with each member of the Trinity. And the death of death in the death of Christ clarifies the glory of particular redemption, namely that Christ really did secure the new covenant blessings for God's elect. Number three, Stephen Charnock, The Existence and Attributes of God. Crossway just put out a brand new double-volume edition of this. That book, that giant 1,500-page in two volumes, sat on my bedside table for 
my guess is, I can't remember exactly, a couple of years, mm. it sat on my bedside table, and I soaked with just two or three pages mm. at night before I went to bed. I soaked in God's holiness, his eternity, his immutability, his patience, his goodness. Someone asked Bernard of Clairvaux in the Middle Ages, why don't people love God more? And he said, because they don't know him. Mm. Charnock is a great remedy for that ailment. Number four, if you don't want to start with a two-volume, 1,500-page book, then start with J.I. Packer, Knowing God. 250 pages instead of 1,500, and the first sentence goes like this. As clowns yearn to play Hamlet, so I have wanted to write a treatise on God. (laughs) (laughs) Packer knows God is infinite and he's finite. The chasm between him and God is wider than the universe. So Packer is a good, humble guide. He's not presumptuous, but he is profound in his own special, accessible way. So start with Packer if, if Charnock sounds daunting. John Murray, Redemption Accomplished and Applied. I learned my Calvinism not from Calvin, but mainly from Romans and Ephesians and Philippians and the Gospel of John. But at certain points along the way in my theological pilgrimage, a book would come along that put so many pieces together in a beautiful, coherent way that I found them extremely helpful. The very title, Redemption, colon, Accomplished and Applied, still functions for me like a bright light. God accomplished my redemption on the cross once for all, decisively. It's over. It's done. It's finished. It's accomplished. Propitiation, redemption. And then he sovereignly, at age six, he applies that to my life, Mm. justification, adoption, sanctification, glorification, by giving me faith, bringing me to himself. So after Packer, go to Murray. Number six, John Bunyan, Pilgrim's Progress. You might not think that this interesting story that children can enjoy, a fascinating allegory, is doctrinally rich, but it is. One of the things about an allegory is that you can read it at different levels. It's just just an interesting story with monsters and dangers, or at the profound level of how the Christian life really works under the sovereignty of God. Number seven, J.C. Ryle, Holiness. One of the great strengths of this book that makes it so doctrinally rich is that he keeps in clear view the difference between justification, and sanctification, and how they relate to each other in the quest for holiness. It also has the hidden benefit of being 150 years old, so that we can see, I was just glancing at my notes yesterday, we can see how some of the challenges to holiness that we face, we think are new, (laughs) really not new or peculiar to our age. Number eight, D.A. Carson, The Difficult Doctrine of the Love of God. This is only 84 pages, but it goes a long way to keep us from talking in sentimental nonsense about the love of God. 
Almost everybody in the post-Christian West thinks of God as more or less lenient and kind. They bring their conceptions to the Bible, and when the Bible says God is love, they fill it up with meaning that they already had in their head, which may be completely wrong, and Don Carson helps us see what God is really like in what he revealed about his love. Number nine, Martin Lloyd-Jones, The Sermon on the Mount. This two-volume collection of sermons on Jesus' most famous sermon opened my eyes in the summer of 1968 to how doctrinal preaching could set the heart on fire. When I read it, I was 22 years old, and I thought, that's how I'd like to preach someday. (laughs) Number 10, George Ladd, A Theology of the New Testament and the Presence of the Future. Dr. Ladd was my New Testament prof in seminary and introduced a whole generation of American evangelicals to the fact that the New Testament is eschatological cover to cover, meaning that Israel's long-awaited kingdom of God has already arrived and yet is not entirely here. He showed us that the, quote, mystery of the kingdom that you read about in the Gospels, the mystery of the kingdom is fulfillment without consummation. That's the mystery. The kingdom of God is already here in some senses, and it is not yet here in other senses. And the tension between the already of the kingdom and the not yet of the kingdom affects everything in the Bible, everything in life. So eschatology is not just a final chapter about end times in the systematic theology textbook, but a pervasive reality touching everything in the New Testament and in life. Those are my 10 suggested authors and some of their doctrinally rich books. Remember, as you read, to be like B.B. Warfield when he was criticized that 10 minutes on your knees would give you a truer, deeper, more operative knowledge of God than 10 hours over your books, he replied, what? Then 10 hours over your books on your knees? Even if you read these books in your chair, not on your knees, even if you're sitting in your chair, be kneeling in your heart, and then the rich doctrine will make the heart sing. Mm. Great list of book ideas, perfectly timed, Pastor John, because for those of us in the States, we are coming up on a long weekend. Monday is Labor Day for us, a long weekend, perfect for a little bit more extra book reading. Monday is a holiday, a holiday for doing just about uh, anything but thinking about work, (laughs) really, to be honest. But not for us. We're back on Monday to talk about work and to ask if there is work in eternity in the new creation. And if so, what vocations will there be in the new creation? And will we be employed in something that corresponds to our interests in this life? Interesting set of of questions we'll ask Pastor John on Monday. I'm your host, Tony Ranke. We'll see you then.